I want to welcome everybody who's in the room. Let's close the doors. You are now going to hear a class about raising infants and school-aged children, whether you want to or not. Hey, Martin. Can I close the doors one more? Thanks, bro. Okay, let's pray. Our Father in Heaven, I pray that we can all take to heart the lesson that we've just heard to really get help, to take responsibility, to focus on our own sin. And uh, Father, we, we're in it for, the, for forever. And now, Father, as we, we talk about our marriage at a, a special time in life, I pray that you'll help Karen and me to say things that will help transform uh, the marriages of, of the couples in this room. I thank you, Father, for the weaknesses in our lives that you've helped to turn into strengths. And Father, you've used to remind us just how much we need you. I thank you for this time of life as we're raising children who will become the disciples and the future, the leaders of the church in the future. And uh, God, help us today to build that foundation stronger than ever before. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So picture you're in a room about this size. And you see this room, and it's uh, pretty full of, of people. And there's not a lot of chatter going on, but uh, it's kind of quiet. And there's, there's music playing in the background. And um, off to one side, there's, there's a big photograph. And lots and lots of flowers. And in the middle is a, co a coffin. And on the front row, you see part of a family, and they're shaking, sobbing. And you look in that coffin, and it's you. And that family there is full of emotion and memories. Now, Karen had that experience this week, not for herself, obviously, but she attended a funeral in Salt Lake City of some friends of ours who uh, the husband had just passed away of leukemia at about the age of 45. And uh, their three children and, and his wife were uh, grieving, but what consoled them were the memories that they had of their father the many fun times that they had. And what a great spiritual man he was. And it really, it really hit both of us. And I think particularly Karen, as she was, she was there, just how much the lives that we live at this time of life, the example that we set, will stick with our children for the rest of their lives. And so what we do at this time is crucial. And I have always believed this, your time of life is my favorite time. Your time of life with children who are newborn up through school age 
to me, this is the most important time as a parent in their lives. And I hope you never feel like, well, the teens and the preteens, they get all the attention. I mean, they do get a lot of attention. But unfortunately, a lot of times they're getting the attention because they didn't put the attention in early enough. And so they're having to recalculate. They're having to readjust. And so today, we're going to be talking about your marriage as you live life with infants. Or maybe, how many of you don't have children yet in the room? Okay, a couple, all right. And how about, what's that? Okay, well, there you go. They're in the room, and they're in the womb. Okay, how about, um, um, how many with, with infants? Okay, gotcha. All right, so I really believe, though, this is the most important time, and I want to uh, just thank you for being here today. Uh, this is a time where your life is full of laughter, of memories, and of growth. And yet it's a time where marriages can tend to suffer neglect because your priorities change, right? You've gone from being two uh, people, and now you have these children who don't passively wait for you to come to them to get help, right? They cry out for it. And it's a very felt need to change your priorities. It's in your face all the time, the need to take care of your kids. But I pose a question for you. If God thought that you would struggle and do poorly in your marriage and spiritually by giving you children, would he have given you children? Think about that. Isn't it true that God gives us what he gives us to make us stronger, to make us better, to make us closer to him? And there's a a big assumption you have to make as a parent in this age that God would not give you children if he didn't believe that you will be better for having them. And uh, Jesus said in John chapter 10, I'm going to read this to you in verse 10, The thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And the truth is, that is Jesus' plan to give you a full life with your children. It is Satan's plan to take away. So with this experience that I had this week... um going to the service for our friend Joe and his wife is Stephanie, um, it really just brought to mind how much we need to be building for the future. And even though this is a crazy time and life is busy and there seems like the priority is child raising, you have to remember that the priority really is for your marriage. And God does not want you to neglect, you know, your marriage during this time. So... And, you know, and then the other thing is that, of course, Brian and I, I remember a sister, an older woman in the church once when I was introducing my, my kids to her, and they were like in early elementary school. She said, oh, you're in the golden age. I'm like, the golden age? What is, you know, I thought I was going crazy. She's like, no, this is the golden age. This is the sweet time. They're, they're still sweet. You know, and, and 
kind of true. I mean, <laughs> you, uh, what, what is ahead of you are maybe some more challenging years. Maybe, you know, you love your kids all their life, but it does, you know, they do kind of go through a little bit of insanity when they're teenagers, and so you kind of want to build up this storehouse of really good times right now because you're going to need that, that deep well of um, good habits, good memories, good photographs, <laughs> you know, all those kinds of things. Um, you want to build good friends in this time. You want to have a deep foundation of um, richness in your family life but also in your marriage because there will be some hits along the way. Brian and I, we've been married for 20, almost well, 29 years, and our kids are 23 and 21 and 20, and, you know, we're officially out of the teens, officially no one is living with us except each other, and, and I am so glad for the things that went right in our child-raising years because now we, we have something left. We have a marriage that's still there. It's not like we have to, ooh, who are you, and recreate something that we lost along the way. Um, but it was with, you know, help along the way for sure. But build for the future. One thing about going to my friend's funeral this week, you know, besides people sharing about his intensity for God and his, you know, all of that, which is amazing, the most common thing I heard was, and he loved Stephanie so much. He was just known for how he loved his wife. And on the little memorial table were the letters he had written to her when he proposed and pictures of their wedding. I mean, it was just part of what their children now hold in their memory is that, wow, my dad and mom really loved each other. And, you know, their feelings are raw right now, and they're going to... But when all that kind of heals away and time, time helps out, those kids are going to always know what their dad stood for in his love for his wife. So the question I have for you today is, do you truly believe that this can be the best time of your marriage you've ever had? Do you really believe that? I want you to. I will you to. So God, in, in John 10, as Jesus had promised to bring us life to the full, you have to just picture that what that means. Life to the full. In Jesus' mind, okay? Life to the full. Joy. Full of fun. Full of honor. Full of respect. A life and a marriage that's full of happiness. Full of gratitude. That's what Jesus pictured when he said that. Now Satan, of course, wants to steal and kill, and destroy. And he can't do that unless we let him. And one of the things I found when I was in this stage of life, where Satan was able to sneak in and start stealing, was there was a, a pressure that I felt to keep up with the neighbors, to keep up with the Joneses. And uh, some, of the, some of the source of stress that came about in our lives was, had to do with money. And what I, what I realized is that it's Satan's plan to make you feel like you need to spend more, own more, you need a better home, you need better clothes, you need to eat out, you need to 
whatever drive, a newer car, fill in the blanks. But what it does is it puts incredible stress on people. And, and it, was, it put a, an incredible amount of stress on us. Um, other things that can come in that state, Satan will use is the anxiety about your children's behavior. <laughs> right? You know, are they ever going to get any better? Is this normal? <laughs> I wasn't like that, was I? Um, must have come from your side of the family. Um, plus other stresses that can come into play depending on what your, your family surroundings are like. Do you have a lot of in-laws? Are they mostly outlaws? Are they, are they, uh, maybe your family, and what's wrong with my family? It's your family that's a little weird. And, you know, there's birthdays, and there's cousins, and there's, just fill in the blanks, right? And those stresses and pressures can come in, and Satan will try to steal from you the full life that Jesus had intended. And what can happen is then, is that you can become, you can begin to dishonor one another. Your honor is no longer your marriage is no longer honorable. It's survival time. And rather than feeling grateful for one another, you begin to blame one another. As Kevin and Mary shared about, these are where those seeds really get sown. The seeds of, of looking to the other person as being the responsible party. And then you can feel like it's all up to you to fix it. Um, it's all up to you to, to come up with a solution. And so you don't get the help. You don't ask for the prayers, or the help, and you don't pray the prayers that you need to. And yet, this is a time of life where God can transform your life. I look back, actually, three of the most important routines that I started in my life started when my kids were in school age. And they were praying every day, going out for a prayer walk every day. The other was praying together with Karen every day. And then the third was having a weekly breakfast time with my kids. And they happened when they were in school age. And still to this day, I'm still doing those things. Now, two of my kids have moved on. One of them is still a single guy. And I get together with him every Friday, and we still have breakfast together. But you know what? It's through the need that comes out of this time that you realize, I've got to do something about this. I've got to turn to God. I've got to, I've got to get help. We need to pull together more. And so... God truly can make your marriage better than it's ever been during this time of life. So we have two major points for you today. One, honor your spouse. Two, party in the house. All right, let's, number one, let's go over here to Hebrews 13, verse 4. Honor your spouse. We see where... The Word teaches us, I love this, at the end of a, of a very theological book in Hebrews. So much powerful stuff about Jesus. And he sort of throws together this laundry list at the end of kind of, oh, by the way, don't forget these things. In verse 4, Hebrews 13, marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives free from the love of money and be content with what you have. Because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. You know, it says marriage should be honored by all. It's not a command. Because the honor comes from other people who form an opinion about what they see. 
And they form, those people happen to be your children. And they happen to be single people. And they happen to be your relatives, who aren't Christians perhaps, and your neighbors. And marriage should be honored. Your marriage should be honored by them. And so what we want to talk about is how is it that we can build that kind of honorable marriage? Well, it starts with honoring one another. You, before you were married, believe it or not, you were complete. As, as, as God, or before you had kids, excuse me, you weren't complete before you, had, before you were married. But before you had children, God made it so that you'd be complete. The two become one. You were whole. Everything you needed was right there. And somewhere along the way, when we have children, we can start to feel emotionally like, I need those children. And, and there can become a, a distance between the husband and the wife. And uh, instead, to make an honorable relationship, we have to show honor to one another above our children. And one of the things I really want to, if, every, if there's anything you take away from this today, is that your marriage must remain your top priority of your relationships here on earth. Your marriage, your spouse, your relationship with your husband or wife must remain your highest priority of all your relationships here on earth. You're not your children. They'll be fine. In fact, they'll be better if your marriage and your relationship with your spouse is your highest priority. Not just is doing well, is your highest priority. Because that gives them the security that they're not God anymore. That they are in the place where they belong. They're not sitting behind the wheel driving a vehicle that they don't know how to drive. They're in the back seat where they belong. Following the loving lead of their mom and dad who love each other insanely. And so, husbands, show honor. Show honor. Not get honor. Show honor. I like that little... Got that? In your mind, you can get honor. Oh, man, why isn't she wearing another seductive-looking outfit before we go to bed tonight? I've seen that college t-shirt just one too many times. Um, Or get honor. Like, doesn't she understand what a day I've had? Why Why can't she just listen to what I have to say? Or why can't she just let me have some time alone? Um... You know, a lot of this stuff, we've already heard a lot of these examples. But the husbands, we have to show honor in our thinking. It's where it really starts. Not get honor in our thinking, but show honor in our thinking. And then another, another way to show honor toward one another is with uh, just remember your manners. You know, don't get so comfortable with each other that there's not a place for courtesy in your, ma- in your marriage anymore. If for no other reason, be an example to your children. And, you know, I, we do, we, this is on our heart to say that we don't, in the church, want to raise a generation of children that are discourteous, that don't have good manners. How are they going to, they're not going to learn that by you, you know, repeatedly saying, what do you say? Say please. What do you say? Say thank you. Don't interrupt. Try again. You know, they have to see it in your home. It has to be the atmosphere in your home. And it, and it really is a way to show honor to one another, is treating each other with respect and courtesy. In um, 1 Corinthians 13.5, it says, Love does not behave rudely. And yet sometimes we can let attention, you know, or busyness, where we just, you know, enter our home, and, and in that, just kind of lose sight of, good, of habits of good, of good manners. 
that you shouldn't have any mean words for each other. And you should, even even with the, the comfortability that you have with each other, to still say things like, pardon me, excuse me, um, may I interrupt? Thank you. That was a delicious dinner. Um, may I be excused from the table? I mean, these are things that we can say to each other and mean it. And, um, and it's a way of showing respect and courtesy to one another. Um, I think another thing that we saw, I saw with Brian is that it mattered to him that I would greet him. I'm, I was a stay-at-home mom, so it mattered to him that I would greet him when he came home at night. That I, you know, I wasn't upstairs, hello, you know, but it was, it's like I, I made myself present. I made myself aware, aware of him. I hugged him. I kissed him. It was, you know, it's, again, it's the, he wanted the kids to do that. I remember my dad feeling that way. Um, these are ways that you can show honor to one another. Uh, I think Ephesians 4.29 is always good, that, you, that all your words are for the benefit of those who hear them. And, uh, and then I think another thing as a woman, it's easy to sometimes talk to your husband like he's a child, like he's one of the kids, and, that, and that's just inappropriate. It's inappropriate. Your children will want, learn to respect him as a leader if you talk to him as a wife, talks to him in a demeaning way, like he's, he's one of the kids. I, uh, I, I work for a real estate company. For those of you who don't know me, I'm one of the elders in the church, and I... Uh, work for a commercial real estate company in downtown Los Angeles and have had a our commute each way for 20 years since we moved here uh, from uh, from Colorado. And um, so I'm out of the house for about, typically about 13 hours of the day. And, and it's been that way almost all those 20 years, at least Monday through Friday anyway. But, you know, with that, I had lots of opportunity to make excuses for why we weren't closer, why I wasn't engaged with my children, why... I needed some time alone, et cetera, et cetera. But what I realized was that none of those excuses really mattered at the end of the day. I was basically making an excuse to fail. And, um, and it was people like Kevin Maines and uh, people like Jay Kelly and Greg Moretzky and, and uh, people like Henry Kramer who've been in my life at all the different times in my life who've helped me to keep, keep my standards set on what the Word teaches. And one of the important things that, that we learned was the need to be partners with each other. And the thing about partners is they don't have to be equals in, in everything. All right? You can have a partnership that is very complementary. And I think that's one of the things that Karen and I really learned was that, that our lives are completely different from each other. But that doesn't mean that we don't have profound respect for each other and that we don't show profound respect for each other. And so I had to make extra effort to think more about what she was dealing with each day and, and not feel like, well, you don't know how bad I had it, but rather, you know what? I didn't have to go through what you just went through. I could help you. And then similarly, she would, she would make her effort to understand what was going on with me at work each day. And just knowing that, doesn't that make a difference when, the other, when you know the other person is, is making that effort to care about what you're going through? And so through that partnership... We, um, we um, established the routines of, t- of talking to each other every day and finding ways. In fact, once we got on a cellular plan that we could afford to talk unlimited, that really changed things for us. Because then I'm driving into work, and we would probably talk for half an hour every day at least. And kind of had it figured out how much time we had and when I was going to be where so she wouldn't be starting a big lengthy conversation topic as I'm about three minutes from work. 
Um, but we'd always we'd pray together also. And, and the little things like that, finding ways rather than finding excuses, really made a difference. Because it's easy to find excuses. It's a lot harder to find the way to, uh, to stay in that partnership with one another. Also, you have to partner together to train your children. It's, it's critical to get unified on that. And we're, 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 today is not a, a child training day. It's really marriage training day. But, but children, because they are such a crucial part of your life right now, you have to hammer out your unity and your partnership. And you may have complementary strengths and weaknesses there even, where one of you is more of the, the more rigid disciplinarian, and one of you may be more of the empathetic, sympathetic ear. But the children need to know that you can very quickly go to the other role, and you will freely when called upon. It may not come as naturally, but don't mess with me. You will find out. Yeah, I'm, I'm the easygoing, I'm fun, I, you know. My, my wife is very well organized, and we did, you know, we knew she raised her hand. I didn't when I asked that question. But, but Karen's lot, world is a lot more black and white, and mine is gray. And we have continued to learn that over and over again. And, and that, there are incredible strengths when you put those two together. There can be incredible conflict when you allow it to be that way. When it's like, well, don't you understand? It's black. No, honey, it's gray. No, it's black. It's a little more dark gray, maybe, but it's not black. No, it's black. It's not white. And your kids will pick up on that. And they'll play you off of each other, as, as many of you probably have seen, and our kids would do that. And, um, and yet they have to, when they see a united front, it actually produces security in them and produces peace for you. All right? So uh, a partnership is crucial. One of the things, with Brian being gone all day and me home with the kids, one of the ways we... It, someone advised us to work on that was Brian would come home and he would ask the kids, how, how did you obey mom today? And it, it, was just, it was just a little subtle way of reminding the kids that, oh yeah, I was supposed to obey mom today, what is she going to say? And, you know, that he was backing me up. It's not like, yay, dad's home, now we can live however we really want to live. <laughs> it was, um, that was a good tip for us. Um, the other thing I wanted to say about partnership is when possible, do things together. Okay, I tried, and you know, I'm, we're sharing from our vantage point from what was our rhythm of life. So you have to take whatever we say and apply it to your situation. But I would really try to get my household chores, my laundry, and all that kind of stuff done when Brian was not home. Because once he came home, uh, we wanted to do things together. And, and it wasn't always easy, but we tried as much as possible to have our D times together as couples. We would try to run weekend errands together. We would drive together, even though we usually had two cars. We would, you know, make an effort to drive together to things. We sat together at church. You know, I'm happy to see you guys all sitting together, but sometimes I see couples not sitting together. We made a commitment to having dinner together, and even when we were in the crazy years of soccer practice and all that, I mean, we may not eat dinner until 9 o'clock at night, but... Trust me, we sat down at the table together. And, you know, we, or we ate in the car together, you know, whatever we had to do. Um, we did household projects together, which wasn't always easy for us because we have different styles. Sometimes Brian would take a day off from work and um, just spend it with me. I really appreciated that when the kids were in school. Um, sometimes he, once, a couple times he even took all of spring break off. And, um, you know, we had that whole week together. Or he took a week off. 
that the kids were in school, and we would have the daytimes together, and that was very special. I think it's important that you not, um, even though things are a crazy, hectic schedule, that you not say, okay, let's divide and conquer. And then the weekend <clears throat> comes, and you just are going separate ways the whole time. It may seem efficient, but it comes at a cost. What you could have done together and been a meaningful time as a, as a couple would have been um, you're, you're, you're losing that. And then probably one of the main things that, that we did was we decided to go to bed together at the same time every night. And uh, we still do. And it's just a good habit um, for a number of reasons. Obviously, it's your best chance of having some romantic time is if you're in the bed together, right? But, um, but there's, um, you know, it's, there's just something about ending your day together, you know, sleeping in each other's arms, uh, quietly talking about whatever you need to talk about, having the evening prayer. Um, it's, it's a safeguard. If, if one stays up late, you know, like we've taught our kids from the time they were little, nothing good happens after midnight. Get in bed, you know, <laughs> get off the street. It was just what we taught our kids about curfews. There's something, you know, you just open yourself up to bad habits and um, potential danger if you're not um, if you're not together during that time. Yeah, and I, I just really reiterate too that uh, you know, for me, I don't know about you guys, but it's late at night when the junk comes out on TV. It's late at night when it's easy to sit down on the internet, start surfing around. Um, your resistance is down, and it's just not wise. And I found for me, I, I got burned a few times, and um, you know where I'd be watching something on TV, and I wonder, hmm, and I would watch something that I shouldn't have been watching, some nudity or some some sensual thing on there on television. I just thought, why am I doing this? You know, um, it's just wrong. And uh, and so for us, we've been fortunately our lives work where we would go to bed at the same time. We get up at different times, but um, but I think that is really an important part of, of your partnership. And um, the, um, the other thing is to have close relationships with other couples. Very important to have close relationships with other couples. Now, I will say, I love being with Karen more than anybody on earth. I really just enjoy it. I look forward to going away on vacations with just her. Uh, we have friends who like to go on vacations with other couples. I can't relate. I hate to say it. I'm sorry if you're one of those couples. But I, I hate to, I'm sorry if you've asked us to go with you and I didn't. You know, like, oh, sorry, we're busy. I, I, what I really meant to say was I'd rather be with my wife than you. Um, but, um, you know, we love being together. And I, I love coming home to Karen and, and uh, spending the weekends. I really look forward to it. Um, but, you know, I, have, I realize I have to have other couples in my life. I start to get a little weird in my thinking when I don't have other men in my life. And uh, right now, Karen and I are working with the campus ministry. So I can't say I have men in my life. They're, they're boys. <laughs> Becoming men, but they're still boys. And, um, and I, I have to really work hard to get people in my life now, and, and I do. Joey Eats, who's one of my fellow elders, he and I go out and pray together, and Ruben and I hang out together and talk on the phone. And, you know, but I'm realizing I've got to make that effort. But you know what? I've always had to make that effort because you just get busy, and especially here in L.A. I don't know what it is, but it's just it's a lot easier to get more isolated from each other. We noticed it when we moved here from, from Denver 20 years ago. Like, where is everybody? You know, it used to be people just dropping in. Hey, bro, how you doing? Hey, let's play some basketball. Okay, yeah, let's do that. And it's kind of like, bro, it's 8 o'clock and I haven't eaten dinner yet. What are you talking about? You know, because you just got home from driving for an hour. and So it's just different. But... Making that effort 
to have those relationships. I'm a, typically an independent person, but I, I just know I've got to make more time for those relationships, and it's, it's not easy. But, you know, you have that. Also, having some separate hang time with the guys and with the, with the gals, where you can just sit and talk. And, and um, I also really believe in the, the saying, I, I've heard, and you probably heard for a long, long time, that, you know, surround yourself with people who are greater than you are. Um, if you want to be great, you've got to surround yourself with people who are greater than you are. And so you pick out people who have qualities that you need, and you just find ways to hang out with them. Find ways to hang out with people who are going to call you higher in their example, in their marriage, in their parenting, in their, their career, in their financial management, whatever it may be. But find ways to spend time to uh, hang out with those people and to have those close relationships. So we were going to share about a fun memory we had when our kids were just about like kindergarten, first grade, and a little bit younger. And we were discipled by um, Jane Carol Kelly at that time. And in order to have our D times, we would do it at night, and we would take our little tribe in their pajamas over to their house and put them all five in bed together, our three, their two. And, you know, on paper, that would not make sense on a school night to take your kid, put them in bed somewhere else, and, you know, it just didn't seem like it would make sense. And yet, those are just some of our most favorite memories. We have photographs of that. And you know what? Our kids went to college. They actually grew up. They, I mean, it did not deprive them. <laughs> and you may think, they must be in bed by 8.30. They can, you know, well, trust me, they're going to grow up. They are going to do just fine. And there are things, you know, sacrifices that you make that won't make sense to other people and yet are just treasured, treasured memories for you. And our kids are much, much, much more tolerant and resilient than we think they are when it comes to uh, sleep and needs and what they formed and friendships and love for the church and fun memories and all that is way, way, way more valuable than, you know, missing a night of being in their own bed at 8 o'clock. So honor your spouse and, and build an honorable marriage. Part two is party in the house. Let's go over to Ecclesiastes chapter 9. This is, this is the fun part. Um, party in the house. We've, you know, I love the book of Ecclesiastes. It's just so much, so much good stuff in here about just life in general. But we see here where, as, as Solomon is writing, he says in verse 9 of Ecclesiastes 9, Enjoy life with your wife, whom you love, all the days of this meaningless life that God has given you under the sun. All your meaningless days. For this is your lot in life. And your toilsome labor under the sun. Isn't that cool that, yeah, you got a life here full of frustration and work and anxiety, but you know what? Hey, enjoy life with your spouse. Have fun. You know, enjoy it. Because the rest of your life is meaningless. Um, the, uh, what I find is, as I was showing before, um, you have to be content with what you have. And Hebrews 13 said the same thing. To enjoy, to really party in the house, you have to enjoy what you have and not be wishing you had something more. Many, many young couples live beyond their means, whether it's the car, the housing, the clothes. And you know what? It's not a lot. I mean, if I say living beyond your means, you know, you might picture that couple that lived next door to the, uh, the, uh, whatchamajigan, the uh, Christmas story. Um, right? You know, they're... They've got all the money and the nice cars, and the, it's like, no. 
Or it's just a little bit, a little beyond your means, and a little beyond your means, and a little eating out, a little bit too much on, on clothes. Before you know it, you're getting over your head, and then you get into debt, and then you can't give generously, and then you can't save for college, you can't save for retirement, and then life becomes very stressful. And so if I had it all to do over again, I would, do, I would dial back even more on my standard of living. I think we did pretty well, but we wound up paying a lot of credit card interest. And we wound up having a lot of stress over financial matters. And uh, I would love to be able to retire earlier. And so I thought I'd throw this in while we're all here together with the younger married couples. You know, now's the time just to dial it down a notch. All right? Not a lot. Or maybe it is a lot if you need it. But, but dial it down a bit. It will make a huge difference as that accumulates over time. Well. Okay, we'll have to go quickly here. Another way to party in the house is, is in your marriage to be affectionate with each other, flirt with each other, oh, yeah. have an active sex life. Uh-huh. Okay, um, we could define active if you want. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I was going to share about this TV ad, maybe you've seen it, it's for cell phones, where the father's going on a business trip and the mother comes out with the two little girls. Isn't that awesome? And the little girls say, Daddy, Daddy, we made you a video. You can look at it on the plane. So they sync their phones. And he's like, okay. And then the wife, she goes, Honey, I made you a video, um, but don't watch it on the plane. And I just, we just love that. We're not advocating making videos, but we, are, we just love that feeling of flirting and enjoying and teasing and things you did when you... You know, when you, well, anyway, you know yeah. what, I'm, what I'm saying. Things you wanted to do when you were single, but you couldn't. Yeah. But we, we, had, a, um, we had a marriage retreat once where we, we sat down and the question, do you want to show this from me? Go ahead. You're great. Where the, um, the, we, were, we were told to each write down how many times a week we wanted to be intimate with each other, have sex with each other. And so we each wrote down a number of times, and they were not the same, believe it or not. So then the question was, um, you know, how many days do you want to, and how can you, you know, figure this out? So for us, at that, you know, three little kids, it, it was a conversation. We, if we were just going to depend on spontaneity, it probably wasn't going to happen very often. And the reality was, if he said, I don't remember what it was, three times, and I said two times, there was always that question when we went to bed tonight, is, is it tonight? Or are you, you know? And, and that's, you know, we just never knew. And so, um, so we just, Made it, made a, we are a four times a week couple. <laughs> we named our nights, and uh, there's never, not that we're not spontaneous, we have no kids at home now, but, you know, it's just really nice. It's, it's good for me to be able to anticipate it and plan for it, because the reality is I have to be thinking about it during the day. I have to prepare, you know, I, I, it, it's better for me if I'm a little prepared. So um, that's, how, that's how we've handled that. But don't neglect this area of your life. Don't think in 20 years we'll figure this out again. It, it won't be there. You need the, the, um, the consistency. It's part of your deep foundation of love and good habits. And then I also wanted to share about date nights and getaways. Um, we've had some really, really fun getaways. And we do plan for that and save for that. And I, I won't tell you what all we've done, but... I could tell you, you know, lots of fun ideas. But in my role for that, and, um, it, and it has always been this way, even maybe not so much now, but even when the kids were in high school, was the anxiety over what about the kids. 
And so I, I just want to say that if, if, you know, whoever has the most anxiety about what's going to happen to the kids should be the one to make the plan for the kids. Usually it's the mother. So I'm the one that gets the babysitters. I'm the one that figures out the sleepovers. I'm the one that says, okay, they're in a place where I feel good about where they are so I can go away and have a good time. If I'm worried about them or I, I'm, I'm concerned about their situation, then I'm not going to be fully engaged in giving and enjoying this getaway with Brian. And on that, on that note, let me just go back to what I said earlier about raising, raising your children in a home that has good manners and is courteous, that you want to raise delightful children because it will make it easier for you to get babysitters if your home is a delightful place for the children to be. Amen. And um, my job was to pick out our pajamas. Um, but we had, and, and uh, the, other, the other thing, uh, kind of moving back from uh, just your own romantic getaways, is that uh, you need to plan memories for the family and to build fun memories and to take lots of pictures. And, you know, even at a time when we, we really didn't have much money, um, we would go to Disneyland and we would go and walk around in the downtown Disney area or around the, in fact, even before it was built, we'd just go around the Disneyland hotels and look at stuff. And the kids felt like they were, they were at Disneyland. Like, that's right, we're at Disneyland. See, there it is, happiest place on earth. And, you know, and they're all fired up. And, um, we did our little minivan and we'd probably have to pay to park. And, but, um, you know, that was enough to get them, get them excited about that. We would drive home for midweek. We would go over the Vincent Thomas Bridge just because it was fun, you know, and, and the lights are up, and we, you know, it's shaped like a dinosaur, and they were into that. And, you know, but just find ways to have fun, to make memories, to make life enjoyable for your whole family. And, you, you know, you've just got to be lighthearted. That's what it comes down to. It can get so serious. Oh, my child, they're going to be a you know, an axe murderer, they're going to be a flunk out, or they're going to do whatever. Just lighten it up and have fun so that the atmosphere at home is a refuge, it's nurturing, it's a party. And so just in conclusion, I just really want to call on all of us to have, um, be inspired and make sure that your kids will be inspired by not your perfection, but by your progress as they see you growing, as they see you making changes in, the, in these areas. Don't let Satan steal your joy or kill your enthusiasm um, or take away the honor that God intended for your marriage. But instead, have a marriage that will make your children want to be married. Amen. Thank you.